This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Bunsen News Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Brandon. And uh, so this week we're going to talk about a request from a listener. Yeah, Chris, uh, he wanted to know <clears throat> drifting versus anchoring. He wanted like some specifics on why we do one versus the other um, for catfishing. You know, I've been catfishing with him a bunch on his boat and getting him trying to get him trained up. Yeah, getting him straightened out. Um, he's got two rods now. Oh, moving up. Yeah, he listened to the podcast and said, man. I ordered another rod because you guys were talking crap about me only having one catfish. Right? <laughs> uh, hey, as long as that one catches them, that's all you need. Yeah. You know what's funny, though? We've been on his boat. I've went fishing with him three times now, maybe. And I always bring one rod, right? Just like I bring one rod for the cost. And every catfish that has came onto his boat while I was on it has been on my rod. <laughs> so he's like, He's like, dang it, I want to break in my new rods. But taking Brandon fishing. Yeah. The um so I guess like what do you prefer to do? Do you prefer I personally prefer anchoring? I feel like it's a lot of work initially. Get the get the anchors out, boat tight, and get all the rods out. But after that, you're pretty much just chilling. Yeah. Drifting, I feel like, is a lot of work. It's a lot. It's not a lot of work, but there is definitely more work because, like, you only have so much time in a drift before you have to reset. Right. Plus, you have, like, if stuff gets tangled, you snag. Like, it's just tedious. Whereas, like, anchoring, you just kind of, once you get it set up, you're kind of just hanging out. I mean, obviously, you can still get hung up and tangled and stuff, but it's not as detrimental. No, I think you can... I think you can get really proficient at drifting, so it's not terribly taxing. Right. But when you're fishing, like, if you're fishing, like, a 12-rod tournament, drifting's a pain in the butt if you want to have 12 rods up. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. The more, I mean, that's just the more an extra I, chance. The more I catfish, the more I settle on the number six. Six is a good number. Six is a great number because, like, how many times did we go to like eight or ten round tournaments and we throw out like six key spots and then the rest are just like fillers? You know what I mean? Yeah, but sometimes those fillers catch fish. Sometimes they do. But yeah. I think if you like, especially if you know where you're going, like we go to a certain hole that we like, we know where to throw. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, the uh, I wish you could have seen the so the one catfish we caught the other day when the boat died and all that was happening. Yeah, and I called you looking for a rescue. The man, I wish you could have seen that eat. I had it up on the island where we were stuck at. Cause I just threw the anchor out and let the wind blow us back. And then I was like, okay, we're just anchor fishing until either we get the boat started or somebody comes and saves us. Right. And man, it was so ferocious. That fish came out of the water. Like it was up on the bank and that fish just came out of the water and the rod slammed. Like it was one of the most exciting catfish eats. Dang. That's that. I'm actually kind of jealous. I missed that one. (laughs) Yeah, I really thought that, like, that fish, I really thought it was a giant, The like, how ferocious it was, and then it comes up and it's 12 pounds. I feel like that's kind of our way with catfish, though, right? Like, everything that's fighting, like, something that just usually buries the rod and just fights ferociously, we get up and is very underwhelming, and then some are just, like, the bigger ones are just, like, heavy. Yeah, they are. They definitely are. So I feel like they're misleading in that way because it's like you start reeling in one, it's like, oh yeah, it's pretty decent, it's heavy. Then it gets to the boat, and you're like, it's a forty. No man, I've I've caught some that like, so I caught a blue on Lake Watery years ago, and when this podcast drops, I'll I'll post the picture. Um, it was in the forties, but man, that fish, I don't know what what it drank that day, like. <laughs> It was on some on like some energy that, drinks. That fish took its Wheaties. It beat me and Shane to death trying to get that fish in the boat. And like it get it got to the boat and then it took a run straight down like thirty six feet. And I'm just like holding on. Nothing I can do to stop it. Those are always fun though. Yeah, there's nothing like it. So drifting versus anchoring. I kind of have. I kind of have a school of thought. I'm not going to say it's against um, what most people do, but I try to drift as little as possible, personally. Yeah. I normally don't catfish when you have to drift. Right. I I catfish when I can go out and anchor and do it the way I want. Right. Maybe that's laziness. Maybe whatever. I just like choose not to target catfish when I need to troll or drift. Do you think in the in the time of the year that you can anchor or drift, do you think you catch bigger fish anchoring or drifting, or do you think it matters? Um, I think big fish can come over the side of the boat both ways. Like I there bookoodles of people that have caught sixty plus pound blues drifting. There's bookoodles of people that have caught, you know, forty plus pound flatheads drifting. There's also the same could be said on the opposite spectrum. Probably more fish get caught anchoring because it's more accessible. You don't have to set your boat up a special way. 
You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, I would firmly state that probably more fish get caught anchoring catfish than drifting. But if you look at tournaments, most of the time, <clears throat> the guys who drift with consistency, they are every once in a while, I want a tournament. But generally speaking, if it's a bang out fishing day, they're not going to win. Right. But if it's a tough fishing day, the drifting guy's going to win. Yeah. Because he, he, his bait's getting shown to a lot more fish. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a lot, of, it's a lot easier for him to get and eat. Whereas the guy that's anchoring, he's hedging his bets that a big fish is where he's at. And wants to eat. Yeah. So I, I think from statistically, trolling makes a lot of sense. I feel like also the guy that trolls has a lot more of consistency in weigh-ins. It may not always weigh like... Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean though? Like he's always going to have fairly consistent. He's going to be an upper, upper middle packer. Right. Like occasionally he'll win, but you won't see him show up without fish. Right. Right. He's always going to come in with something. Right. Whereas the anchor guy is a little more like hero or zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that anchor, like there's anchoring guys that can go throw one. Like if they don't have fish by the end of the day, they can go somewhere and catch a couple and come in with. But like we very much so have the mentality of hero or zero. So oh, we're coming I, in with a hundred pounds or zero pounds. Yeah, I I'm firm believer of a long, long tournament fishing for three bites. Yeah. If it's a three fish limit or whatever. Um but that's kind of how that's just how I am as a person. Yep. The so specific wise, when I decide to troll or drift, um, usually it's based on what I see on the depth finder. Like, generally speaking, if I know it's a time of year where I should be able to find fish stacked up and anchor on them, then I'm gonna go until I find that, and then I'll sit down and fish. If it's a time of year where fish are known to be scattered, you know, like just moving throughout chasing bait, like, like right now where they're just chasing bait up kind of suspended or some of them are sitting on the bottom, but then I'll think about drifting or trolling. Right. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I think, yeah, definitely you go like, there's a certain spot in my mind. We'll like go right over. And if they're stacked up, we'll anchor it. If they're not stacked up there, then most likely it's going to have to be, uh, we're going to have to figure out how to drift that day. Yeah. I mean, in drifting versus trolling, I think the slower you can go drifting, the better off you are. Yes. Like, like a lot of people will speed up in the summertime and drift and roll at like 0.7. Right. I've had the most luck at like 0.4. Yep. And, I also think that I go to a smaller bait profile on a drifting rig. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I feel like it's easier just to like when a fish doesn't have long to look at it, right? A, a bigger profile. Sometimes you feel like it could be daunting to them. Uh, 
Yeah, I just like for me, I don't want a big bait banging around the bottom getting caught up. Yeah. But I also think it helps like if a fish has you know, they only have a minute before they're not going to chase the bait anymore. Right. It helps if the bait's easy to consume. So like a fillet that's, you know, you can barely see the hook sticking out of it. Something they can snatch up and not. Yeah, not really think twice about. It's just an easy meal for them. Yeah. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, I've caught fish trolling really big baits. Like live perch and, you know, yeah, flappers and stuff like that. Like I've, I've done, I've done both and been successful. I don't know why in my head. I always go to a slightly smaller bait profile than I would if I was anchoring. I I think honestly, that's just kind of like, that's just kind of how you want to skin the cat, right? I mean, I guess, but like, why we, don't, why don't I have confidence in the same baits that catch me fish anchoring that I do trolling? You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make any sense in my head. They're the same fish. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess that makes sense. It just seems like it's a different method. So it would be a different, like certain, certain, um, yeah, certain key takeaways that don't hold as much weight. Yeah. I will say no matter what you do in, in fishing and in hunting, heck, probably in life, like if you want to be good at something, you have to focus on the details. Like you have to. Your knots have to be right. You have to be using the right leader. Like your hook has to be sharp. There's a bunch of things. There's a bunch of little things that can stack up and make it where you're like, I don't know why I'm not getting bit. Right. Like Chris had, and maybe I didn't explain well enough to him. I told him to buy some big game leader. Right. I said, you, you know, he was using braid to his hook. And I was like, I don't really know how to explain it, but it matters. And that first day I went on his boat and we caught fish. All the fish came on my rod and I was the only one with clear leader on the boat. Right. Like nice, good leader. And if I would have thought about it, I would have brought some with me, but I didn't. I, right. I just assumed like, oh, that's like something somebody has on their boat. So... <laughs> I left a pack, a pack on his boat this past week, so maybe he'll retile his rigs. But um, yeah, no, I think that was the biggest key as to why like my rod got bit and his didn't. Yeah, I mean that definitely makes sense. It is always little. It's like the little nuances that matter, but then also things like the little nuances that matter. You know, like. I feel like they matter color more. Schemes. I think they matter more when it's tough. Yeah, if it's just like a knockdown drag out day. Yeah, I mean, I think you you can. You're probably going to get eight yeah. most of the time. Yeah, I don't think you know if they're really really feeding, but like right now they just either they haven't been or we just haven't ran into them, and I haven't been spending a lot of time on the lake to go find them. Right. So it's like you know doing what we're doing where we're drifting through scattered fish. And I feel like it matters. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about 
if it, let's say, without a clear leader, one in 10 fish is going to eat it, whereas with a clear one, one in, or, uh, so like what? one in four fish is going to eat it. Yeah. And then you're drifting scattered fish. So you're going to see the same number of fish. How many bites do you want? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't think there's a way to quantify it either, which makes it so difficult. Right. Cause you don't really know. No, it's just like, I do this and I get bit. So this is what I always do. Like that's, that's yeah. like the fisherman mentality. And a lot of stuff too, like a lot of fishing, doing well fishing has a lot to do with confidence in certain things. See, I agree, but disagree. Why though? Like, so like I fish better when I'm confident, but that, so therefore I think like I have to have confidence to catch fish. Right. But in reality, you just were probably being a jack off when you weren't confident. And then you got a bite that cued you into something. And then now all of a sudden you have this confidence but really all you're doing, you like, you're changing the way you're presenting the bait, whether you realize it or not. Well, I think the confidence comes from experience of like, like keying into those little nuances that matter and yep. understanding a little better of how to, how to present something properly. Right. So then that's when you, that's where the, like the, it's not necessarily that you're not confident in something that you're doing. It's just that you haven't seen it work enough to know that you're doing the right thing. If that makes sense, like right. the more you get bit and the more you notice similarities in certain situations that you can start putting together, I feel like is like when you start catching more fish. Yeah. I'll agree to some degree. I do think, I do think confidence could potentially be overstated. Like everyone's like, Oh, you gotta be confident. Well, if you take the dumbest lure at Walmart or wherever your local tackle shop, like the one they got in there just to sell, you know, somebody that's like, Oh, that's cool. But it doesn't really catch fish. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you take that and then you go throw it till your eyes turn blue, you might catch a fish here or there, but like, you're never going to, you're never going to be in the realm to build confidence or to have confidence. Cause you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. That's what I think. It's not, Okay, so maybe it's not necessarily confidence. I think it's just like it takes experience to key into what really the things that matter and what makes you more consistent. Yeah. Like we can sit here and tell you all day long what what we do, how we try to do it, and without you having the experiences of what you know work, yeah, it like, may not work for you. Like the f- I've I've taken a few people and got them started catfishing. I don't know why I was the guy to, that they called, but um, the one thing that I'll say that is alarming to everybody I take is how big of a bait that we use. <laughs> yeah. Like when I'm saying a small bait profile, most people are thinking like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a little shad or something. No, I'm still, I'm still chunking like a six it's inch a, filet. <laughs> it's a whole filet side of a, a nice size perch like but like at the same time like I, i'm friends with this guy thaddis right and he he's a detailer he details our car well actually he's not doing detailing anymore but um he's the guy that's going to eventually paint the jeep if i have the jeep painted right and he's big in fishing and he loves catfishing like absolutely loves it 
And he's like, I saw him last spring. He came and cleaned the cars before I sold the F-250. Yep. Or 350. He he was like, man, I was out fishing on the lake. He said, I found one of your spots. I said, he said, I found one of the spots that you fish all the time. And I'm like, uh, yeah, where'd you find it at? <laughs> and like, it's just funny. I was telling him and like, I never went on the boat with him. I just text him because he kept asking me questions and stuff. Right. And I like told him, I was like, dude, make your bait bigger than you're comfortable with. Like make it big. Yeah. And then he's, he's been catching like twenties and thirties now. And he's like stoked. And he's like, I never would have thought like all I was doing wrong was the bait size. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Like that's, that's how small it can be. Well, it's a lot less competitive too for the fish. Cause like you throw a, a whole gizzard shad out there the size of your forearm, like not necessarily going to have an eight or 10 pounder eat that you might. I've seen, I've seen some, but yeah, you're, you cut out the small fish right in a lot of ways. So what are, what's something, what's like a key factor on the day other than the depth finder that you would like decide to drift, Okay, whether it be temperature or what? Okay. So one big thing is wind drifting requires wind right but here lately it's been very easy to have too much wind and you can't slow the boat down enough right so like wind is a big factor if the wind's right for a good drifting day i'll drift like hands down but like my seasonal factors i'm not gonna drift in the spring and summer right i'll drift through the you know like which I usually don't catfish during this time, but as soon as I start noticing the catfish are spawning, I just stop catfishing until like the middle of summer. Right. But if I was fishing a tournament and the catfish were spawning, which is around the water temp of 70 degrees, um, I want to say it's like 69 to 72, depending on the catfish species, but you guys can look that up. That's an easy Google. Um, so I won't, I won't, fish at all or if i do fish i'm gonna troll during the spawn because there's just the fish are just spread spread out and they're not really trying to feed you almost got to hit them in the head with it right um in the summertime if it's during the day i'll drift because of the boat traffic because it's easier on you as a person than trying to anchor up and just getting beat by wakeboard boats all day yep yep but also, generally, I'm not going to fish those conditions. I'm going to wait and fish at night during the summertime, and I'm going to anchor. Right. Um, and then in the wintertime, I'll drift, but I'll also anchor in the wintertime. That's kind of, uh, you know, how I feel and what kind of fish I'm seeing on the depth finder makes that decision for me. Right. But definitely, like, now through, um, now through the catfish spawn, I'm looking at anchoring. I'm looking for those fish stacked up. Like right now is a transitional period from like I would consider drifting to like in a couple of weeks I'm only going to be thinking about anchoring. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like that's how I look at it. The so the other thing that people like Chris was asking me about. Yeah, like there's he's like, when do you drift and when do you troll? Because like it's 
he's like, when you anchor down, I feel like you have less of a chance for fish moving, like new fish. Like you're going to catch what's there and then like you're, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Right. And I was like, well, a lot of good anchoring spots are along highways, like fish highways. Right. Like think about, um, the point at the danger buoy that we fish a lot. Yep. So like that spot, fish are going to filter through there consistently. Like there's always bait moving through there. There's always fish moving back and forth. So like you're always getting like when they're doing it right there, you're always getting fresh fish coming in because they're the baits just stacking up and they're, you know, like of course new fish are going to move in. And I mean, we've witnessed it in certain places where like you can fish there at seven o'clock and catch nothing but a bunch of dinks. And then you can go back at midnight and anchor up exactly in the same spot through the exact same baits. And you'll start catching fifties and or forties and thirties and whatever. Yeah. So like, I think if the anchoring spot is a transitional area, like a highway or normally like a creek mouth dumping into a, a river channel or something like that, where fish are using it as a way to get around because it's like a highway to them. Yep. Then I'll be a lot more willing to sit down on not as good looking stuff. And wait for something to come by and, and kind of know that there's fish there, but like also be okay with the weight. Right. And like waiting for a big one. Yeah. So like I think personally you have to develop your own set of like rules of how you fish. Almost rules but more feelings than rules. Right. Like about and the only way you get that is by doing a bunch of both. Right. And I think a lot of it has to do like a lot of it has to do with knowing the fish. Knowing what they're doing, why they're doing it, what they want to do. I will say here's one thing that like people can negate bait fishermen a lot, right? Yep. Because they're like, oh, it doesn't take a real person to catch a fish on a piece of bait, right? It doesn't take a real fisherman. It takes a real fisherman to catch one on a fly or on an artificial or whatever, right? Yeah. If the 50% of your bass anglers that are consistently bottom of the pack would go hang out with some cat fishermen. Or some striper fishermen. And just like listen or just go fishing with them, man. Like they know more about that lake than like they know where the bait's going to be because they have to go catch bait. Yeah. Like a bass angler just has to like see some shad on the death finder. Yeah. But they don't really know what they're looking at if they're not trying to catch the bait. Right. So like they know more about how bait moves throughout a lake system than most bass anglers will ever wrap their head around. Yeah. And, yep. it, and it's like, I think like me and Josh have talked about this, you know, everybody gives back when I used to bass tournament fish out of the century, everybody used to give me crap. And then like when we would beat them, it hurt their feelings. And I'm like, dude, I fish for everything in the lake. Like, yeah, like, we're not just <laughs> like, we're not just keyed into what the bass are doing. Like when, when stuff gets cued in on stuff that I couldn't tell you the number of times I've found bass 
good bass tournament stuff by going out and like perch fishing or catfishing the week before and then go and have a stellar tournament on that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. if you want to be a good, if you want to be a good all around fisherman, don't negate the bait guys. Like they have a lot of information that will be useful to you. Absolutely. And it's like a lot of look at everybody that usually does good. It's like you, you qualify as a good fisherman, like whether it be pro bass fishermen or guys that win catfish tournaments all the time, ask them about the species, like specifically <laughs> like guys can tell you what, like the, the pro bass guys that win all the time oh, okay. are like, Damn near a uh, biologist in bass and not just bass, the species that they eat. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like they'll sit and do lectures on craws and just other baits and why the bass key into them or why or like how they, you know what I mean? Like, no, I totally you have to understand, understand the whole system. You do. Like, you can't, it's just like trout fishermen, man. They, they get so like, a good trout fisherman knows a lot about bugs. Right. And good, bad, or indifferent. Like I've always been a hat trout fisherman in my mind because like I've until recently, I haven't spent any time learning about bugs. Right. You know what I mean? I just go into fly shop, talk to the guys. Hey man, like what's hot? Like what kind of hatches are happening? And then like, they told me a yellow Sally hatch was happening. Well, guess what? I'm going to grab any yellow right. thing out of my box and we're going to fish with that. But like, if it's not working, you're not going to look around for what? Right. Until I started time flies this, this winter. Yep. I have had zero care about bugs or entomology or any of that crap. And now it's like, I feel like I'm going to be a more successful trout angler because of the knowledge I have. Yep. Like this past year was the first time I ever flipped over a rock and and like look for stoneflies or nymphs or whatever. Yep. Yep. Should have been doing that years ago. <laughs> but like I was just catching fish years ago. I didn't really care about it. And it's well, like, like when you're moderately successful like that, like if you could go like without knowing any of the entomology stuff, right? If we took off and went to the mountains right now and went fishing, we'd probably catch a couple, right? Oh, oh yeah. Not like not off of anything specific. We would go up there and we could just like piss around and catch a couple for sure. Versus if we really looked into it and figured out like we could go up there and smack them in the face. Yeah. Like if we really keyed in on what was going on and we went around the hatch and like, yeah, we could really be the guys on the mountain that are killing it. Yeah. And I, I feel like you don't know to seek that out if you're moderately successful because you feel like you're doing good, right? For sure. Like you go up there, you catch a couple of fish. You're like, oh, that was a good day. And then go on about it. I think the guys that end up doing really well are the guys that struggle initially and key into the, again, the same <laughs> little like nuances that matter. Yeah. It took me a little while. I will say it took me a little while to key in like catfish was, it was all passed down information to me. Right. Like, yep. Like, by the time I started doing it, my dad was already like winning tournaments. Yeah. So I just like saw what he did and I popped out like we popped ideas off of each other and like there for a little bit, dude was dude was pretty dominant. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like 
So a lot of my beliefs about catfishing came from that realm of doing it with him. Yeah. But like, I think the more I do it myself, I still, I still fall in the same belief category. Like, cause I've seen what works, like what works for us or what works, but I've also seen other stuff work. Right. Like, I don't think there's any one right answer. Like you could go, you could go troll in the middle of spring and catch fish like hands down. Right. But I don't want to troll during the middle of spring. Yeah. Yep. And I think networking has a, like networking is a big factor of fishing because if you have people that are willing to like share information with you and be honest and you're honest with them and whatever, like it helps you key into more stuff that they're seeing and stuff that you're seeing. Like you don't have to rely on catching all of the details yourself. Yeah. So I guess I'll agree there. Information is key in any sort of fishing or hunting. That will always be true. Like if you're cued in to what's happening, you're going to be more successful. Like if I would have been more cued in in Idaho, might've killed a mule deer, but we weren't cued in at all. Right. Like we had to go out there and figure it out ourselves. I think it's more rewarding not being cued in by someone though. No, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, if you want to actually truly like go rough it yourself, then. And I think, I think the greatest outdoorsmen of all time figured it out themselves. The guys that really knock it out of the park, like sure. They had like mentors and stuff and went hunting with other people or fishing with other people or whatever. But I think they were okay doing it themselves and that's what made them good. Yeah. Like, like look at look at guys that have done it for a living. Like, okay, Jim Shockey or like Kevin Van Dam in the Bass World. Like, they're not necessarily going to sit and be like, "So and so taught me everything I know." No, it's just like I'm going to make a music analogy. So, you know John Mayer, right? Yeah, of course. So John Mayer is one of hands down, in my opinion the best guitarist that we are, we currently have alive. Right. right? And the dude is a study though. Like he, he looks at BB King and he's got all of BB King's like licks and knows them and like knows BB King style. And then he goes to say, um, like Pink Floyd, he knows all the Pink Floyd stuff. And then he, knows all the Grateful Dead stuff and he has pulled from all of those styles and made himself this epic like guitarist. Yeah, he made his money, you know, being a pop artist, but like if you really look at the dude, like he is a studied musician. And if you want to be a good fisherman or a good hunter, you have to be a studied fisherman or hunter. Like you yeah. you have to find the best people around you and watch what they're doing. A lot of them aren't going to want to let you in. Like, I can think of 75 bass guys that won't tell me crap, right? Yeah. I can think of five that will. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I don't fish tournaments anymore, but like, if I did, I'd be fishing against those guys, right? And I would see how I got beat every week, and then I would go try and figure out what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think... I think a lot of it is going to come from experience, but like if you use the guidelines, like anchor during the spring, 
troll if you're gonna fish the the spawn, and then you can troll if you're gonna fish daytime in the summer to get rid of the boats. You know, it helps with the boat traffic problem. Or you can go anchor at night and have the best time of your life in the summertime. Yep. Uh, and then in the winter, it's just a toss-up based on what you find on your depth finder, in my opinion. Like, if I find fish stacked, I'll anchor on them. If I find fish scattered, I'll, I'll troll through them. Yep. And a lot of it, I mean, a lot of your decision-making is based off of what you've... It, it, it's all personal experience, really. Yeah. So go out there, get some experience, you know, start seeing stuff on your depth finder and trying different things and... You know, maybe this helps somebody get started catfishing. I don't know. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. Um, we post every Monday at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., something like that. I post it every week. I'm not really sure what time I post it. but um, So this will be posted Monday, 6 a.m. And then um, if you want to, check out our socials. And uh, we're doing some cool stuff. Uh, hoping to bring some cool companies on for the year. And uh, really bring you guys some creative content. <laughs>